Well, that was, I just loved that time of worship. I almost got lost in it and forgot to come up on the platform. And, uh, it, it, you know something? Sunday is the first day of the, the week. And the reason we worship on a Sunday is because Jesus rose on the Sunday, early on the Sunday, on the first day of the week. I'm glad we don't have to meet at the same time Jesus rose. Apparently, it was long before sunrise. So, I don't think anybody would show up, especially in the winter, if we had to get here long before sunrise. But we come on the first day of the week, and you know something? You know, God is with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but there is something good about starting off your week, the first day of the week and the first part of the day of the morning, uh, with acknowledging who God is, dedicating our lives to Him afresh, and receiving a fresh infilling of His Holy Spirit. It's almost like bringing your car uh, into the, the mechanic for a tune-up, an oil change, filled up with gas, and ready to go and face the coming week. And you know, whatever, like we just prayed, whatever is missing in our life, God can add. Whatever is broken in our life, God can fix. And that is kind of what we're going to be looking at today as we are in the second last, next week will be the last part of our current series, uh, The Secrets of Spiritual Growth. So we have been looking at the, the three main stages of spiritual growth that the Bible talks about. And I want to just remind you that uh, although I talked about how different things were important at each of these three stages, remember I said I'm kind of painting with big brush strokes. It's not exactly that detailed. You know, everything is important at every part in your life. So, at the first stage of spiritual growth that the Bible calls the childhood stage, spiritual children, it is very, very important that we get completely established in the fact that our sins are totally forgiven through Jesus, what, through what Jesus has done, not through what we can do, but through what Jesus has done, our sins are totally forgiven. God is our Father, we are His child, and our salvation is assured, and we are safe in our Father's hands. If we don't get that established, if we still have some doubts about whether we're truly forgiven or whether we're truly loved, later on in our spiritual journey, we will have carried our doubts with us, and it's almost like a ship that's got a leak, but it's just a small leak, and people ignore it. Eventually, that leak will cause problems further up, upstream. Now, although those two things are important, to get established at that stage, they will always be important. I don't know about you, maybe you're more holy than me, but sometimes I still commit the odd sin now and again. Is anybody in the same, same boat as me? Sometimes I still have to, you know, I'm pretty sure I committed a sin on the way here today because of that stupid driver that was driving so slow in front of me. And so, I still need to get my sins forgiven. Sometimes I feel sorry for myself, and I still need to remind myself that, listen, even if nobody else in the world loved me, even if everybody hated me, the Creator of the universe loves me and made me His child, and I'm, I'm His child, and He's my Father. I still need to remember those things. 
but you really need to get it established early on or you'll carry those doubts. And then there's the, the middle part of uh, the, the, the uh, spiritual youth stage, and we're going to look at that in a moment. There's a couple of things you need to get right there. Now, you need to get those things right in all your journeys, but this is the important part, because if you don't get these things right, and we'll see what these things are, if you have doubts about, the, about what Scripture teaches, if you are weak in the Word of God instead of strong in the Word of God, or if you have unresolved issues in your life that allows your heart or your mind to become the devil's play shop kind of thing, then you will carry those doubts and those unresolved issues later on in life, and it can affect your faith later on. And so we need to get these things dealt with. So today, we're going to look at one of those things, and today we're going to talk about the secret, what's it called? It's something to do with spirit. The secret to successful spiritual warfare. Because very often, people who they, they don't get these things right or in the right order, but then they hear about spiritual warfare and we've got an enemy who's the devil and there's bad things in the world and there's evil. And people think somehow or other God is calling us to fight the devil and to fight evil and all that, but that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is your personal individual, individual journey of spiritual growth. And there comes a point in your journey of spiritual growth that you have to acknowledge, yes, God is my Father. I am His child. I'm forgiven and I'm loved. But there is an enemy of my soul out there, but that enemy cannot touch me unless I give room. That's why the, the Apostle Paul says, do not give any place in your life to the devil. Or that was why Jesus said, the evil one comes, but he has nothing in me. Our problem is the evil one comes and has 625 things in us. That little attitude, that unforgiveness, that bad habit, and all that kind of thing. And so we need to deal with those things. So today we're going to look at the secret to successful spiritual warfare, and this really comes from this middle stage of spiritual growth. So let's look at this in 1 John chapter 2. It says this. He says, I write to you, young men. I write to spiritual youth. And he says, why? For you are strong in the Word of God and in overcoming the evil one in your life. And so, both of those things are connected. Today, I want, because it's as we read the Scriptures, as we become strong in the Scriptures, that God reveals our heart to us. The Bible says that the Scriptures are like a mirror in which we see a reflection of ourselves, and we know what, like you look in the mirror sometimes, it's, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get shaved in the shower. I don't have a mirror in the shower. Then I get out and I look in the mirror and I see all the little patches that I missed. And sometimes when you look, you think you look good and then you look in a mirror and you see all your flaws. And the better the mirror is, the more flaws you find. And there is no mirror better than the Scriptures. 
It reveals to us as we're reading it and we read the stories and we see the issues in people's lives, the Holy Spirit takes that and shows us you've got that unresolved issue in your life. We see our flaws, but as we bring them to God and He cleans us up and heals us up, we also see a true reflection of ourselves as forgiven, cleansed, righteous, justified children of the living God, more than conquerors. Greater is He that is within us. We see those both sides of us. And so, but today I want to emphasize this overcoming the evil one in your life. And I've got a real key scripture here. It comes from the book of Proverbs. It's actually two verses in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25 and chapter 4. They say this, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his own spirit. And then it also says in in chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we looked at the subject that life is like a river? And we looked at the the verses that the Bible talks about the river of life, not the river that brings life, but the river of life. Life itself is like a river. You can make plans, and you should make plans for your life. You should think ahead. You can chart your course, but sometimes life will take an unexpected turn that you didn't expect. Sometimes life will be all plain sailing, and sometimes you'll be going over whitewater rapids, and all of a sudden you'll need to hold your whole self together. And so life can be like that. But what you need to know is that the course of your life, that river of life, it is not dependent on circumstances outside of you, it flows out of your heart. If your heart is chaos inside, the flow of the river of life, the issues that come out of your life will be chaotic. If your heart is stable and at peace, then the river that flows out of your life, the course of your life, will be more peaceful and more stable. So it is important that we guard what is going on inside us because you cannot change what's going on outside of you. You can't change that. You can sit and watch the news at how crazy the whole world is and then you can look at it and think, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about what that politician said. I can't do anything about what's going on in that country. There's lots of things I can't do anything about. But there is one thing and one thing alone that I can control. I I can control what is going on inside of me. And thankfully, what is going on inside of me determines everything else that will happen in my life. What is flowing out of my heart will determine the course 
of my life. And if I don't take control of what's going on inside of me, I'm like a city that all the walls are broken down with no defenses and anything that wants to attack me can get in. And so it's really important to realize that your true enemy, the, your true, that my true enemy is in me. Very often we think of our true enemy as being outside, oh, there's the devil and there's this and there's that. But as we read, and all that's true, but as we read the scriptures, Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. He defeated Satan and he led principalities and powers captive. Uh, and he's already bound the strong man and he came to destroy the works of the evil one and all of that kind of stuff. The Bible is, has a victorious message. And so the enemy can't touch me unless I allow him. It's only, the Bible says, do not give place to the devil. So it's only if I give place to the devil that the devil has it. And so I want to be like Jesus. I'm sure you do too. I want to say, there's crazy stuff going on in the world. There's evil going on in the world. The evil one is coming my way, but he has nothing in me. My heart is protected. It's like a, a city that's well guarded. It's well protected. Let me just show you three verses that speak about the, how the enemy that we have to defeat is what is going on inside of us. First, we're going to go to the book of James. Uh, sorry, Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. And he's, no, actually, this is James. That is wrong. <laughs> I knew it. How did we miss that on Friday when we ran through this? But we did. So that should say James there, okay? And uh, this is what it says in the book of James. When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. Sometimes when we're going through a hard time or a difficult time in life, we blame God. You know, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And God says, that's funny. I was going to ask you the same question. Why are you allowing that to happen to you? When I've already given you the weapons of your warfare, I've already given you everything that you need. So don't say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Tempt, oh, well, temptation comes from the devil, doesn't it? Temptation comes from what? Can you shout it again? Our own desires. In this, see, we tend to think that good things come down from above and bad things come up from below. Good things come from heaven and bad things come from hell. But what this passage actually teaches is good things come from above, bad things come from within. Okay, look. He says, they come from our own desires, which entices and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God is light. His light is always shining upon our ways. If there's any darkness in our life, it's not coming from God. It's coming from these unresolved issues. So that was James chapter 1, if you're watching online. My next passage, let's have a look at our next one. Let's go to the next one, which is correct, Mark 7. And this is Jesus speaking. 
I mean, like, I can't even blame the media people. I missed that whole thing myself. Like, we actually go through it on a Friday to make sure there's no mistakes. And we missed that one. Mark 7, it, Jesus says, it, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within, and they are what defiles you. Do you see how both the, both the book of James and Jesus here in Mark's gospel are saying, you need to deal with the stuff inside your heart. Paul in 2 Corinthians, he says the exact same. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not worldly human weapons. We're not fighting a physical battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. Rather, we use God's mighty weapons for pulling down strongholds. Where are the strongholds that the enemy gets in your life? Look where they are. They're in your imaginations. They're in your thoughts. Look, we use God's mighty power for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity and making it obedient to Christ. I mean, like that, I hope all of that is enough to establish the fact that if you want to make sure that your life is stable and secure and built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, and you don't want to ever have a fall or a crisis of faith or some, something like that happen to you, you need to stop projecting your problems onto other people or the outside world and realize that the only issues that you can fix are the ones that you've got yourself. They are in your heart. They are in your mind. And you need to deal with those inner issues, those unresolved issues. So, I have a phrase that I use often with this. I say, you need to find and fix your fault lines. You need to find and fix your fault lines. Think of an earthquake zone, like where the San Andreas Fault is or something like that. The San Andreas Fault, you, you can actually, you can go and look at it. I mean, it was a huge gash in the, in the earth, and so you realize there's something. But once you get into to the cities, in the towns round about, you wouldn't know that, you're, that the whole thing is, I mean, like the whole of San Francisco is built on top of a, a fault line. The whole thing is built on top of a fault line. And in earthquake zones, there, there are often little tre tremors that don't amount to much. They don't, they don't seem to make any damage, but they do make damage. They let li little hairline cracks begin to appear in the foundations of buildings. And although the building is still standing, if those little hairline fractures are not dealt with, 
whenever a bigger shakening happens, your house is going to split right where those little fault lines are. And you know, sometimes we know, I mean, we all know that we have unresolved issues in our life. We all know that we have fault lines, but amazingly, we always think that ours are less serious than other people's, you know? And so we think, well, I know I've got this issue, and I know I've got that issue, but it's not a big deal, but it's a fault line. And if we don't find the fault lines that run through our emotions, run through the, our, our philosophy of life and the way we think, run through our belief system, if we don't find the inner fault lines, everything might be fine just now, but the day will come that a shakening will come into your life and you will split right where those fault lines are. That's why it is important to deal with your thoughts, with what's going on in your heart, while you have the opportunity to do so, find and fix your fault lines. And, you know, one of the ways to do that, in fact, a really important thing to do, is you need to get to know who you are. I am amazed, constantly amazed, by how many people I meet, Christians and non-Christians, who know nothing about themselves. They don't know what their personality is. They don't know what their desires are. They don't know what goals they've got in life. They don't know what things they like and what things they don't like. They take their cues. Everybody else likes this music. Maybe I should just like this music as well. Everybody else likes eating faux. Maybe I should go to the faux restaurant as well. They don't know anything about them. Most people know more about soap operas, celebrities, and sports stars than they actually know about their own brain their own, what God has given them. So, can I encourage you to get to know yourself, who you are, the way God has created you and wired you together? Because it's only when you know yourself that you can take personal responsibility for your own life. And it's only when you take personal responsibility for your own life that you can actually chart a course for your life. Our culture right now blames everybody else for their own unhappiness. Oh, I'm unhappy in life and I can't get a job. Why not? Oh, because 300 years ago, one of your ancestors did something bad to one of my ancestors. And so what, you're going to allow your life to be paralyzed? I'm not allowing it. It's systemic. Aren't you a child of God? Doesn't the Bible say every mountain can move before you? Doesn't the Bible say anything that we are more than... I could list a thousand verses. Stop sitting in front of the goggle box and swallowing every piece of propaganda it gives you. Fill your mind with the Word of God and you will become strong and you will overcome all the works of the evil one, even if they are systemic. Even if you're the last person that can succeed, God can take a nothing and put them on a throne and make them a king. God can take a shepherd boy and make him a king. My goodness, 
It's time for us to believe that although there are problems in the world and there are things and people trying to hold me back, I can't do anything about that, but I can take personal responsibility for my own life and then I can make decisions on the inside that will change the course of my life on the outside and I will begin to see God move. It's time to take hold of the reins of your thoughts and emotions. We've all got two horses pulling our cart, our thoughts and our emotions. And most people have let go of the reins and let the horses pull them wherever they want to go. But if you take a hold of the reins, if you take personal responsibility for your life and you hold on to your thoughts and you hold on to your emotions and you guard your heart above all things, then you can steer the course of your life. And you need to make sure that you do not become so depleted emotionally, so worn out, so beat up emotionally that, that you, you're exhausted. Because that is the way the devil gets a hold of us. By where, look, at, look what it says in Daniel about this evil king. Look at this book, next verse, book of Daniel. It says, he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Don't allow yourself to become emotionally burnt out. Take personal responsibility for your life. If you're feeling burnt out, it's time for some self-care. If you've been doing the self-care for five years, it's time to think about somebody else and serve them. But I mean, there's a balance here. Here's how to avoid becoming burnt out. Here's a solution to burnout. Can you put this up? Four things. Build boundaries in your life, you know? And you know, there's a meme that goes around and it's very apt. If someone throws a fit because you built some boundaries, it's just evidence that you needed to build some boundaries, okay? Build some boundaries. Make sure that you're not being pulled in every direction. There's so many passages in the Scripture we could look at for these points, but we don't have time. But if you buy the book, all the passages of Scripture are in there. <laughs> Build some boundaries. Create clarity of purpose. If you know what you're supposed to be doing with your life, then you won't be drifting aimlessly, getting worn out and burnt out doing other things. Jesus said to his disciples, go into a town. Tell them the kingdom is here. You want to tell them about the kingdom of God and you want to heal them. If they welcome you, stay there. If they don't welcome you, shake the dust off your feet and go someplace else. Well, that's not very Christian. Well, maybe they want to talk about Monopoly instead. Maybe you should stay and play Monopoly with them instead. No, I know my purpose, and my purpose is not to play Monopoly with people, it's to find people who want the kingdom. So once you are clear about your purpose, you won't be sidetracked on the wrong things. Become assertive. It is okay to say, listen, it is not polite to agree to everything that you have got no intention to do. I don't want to offend everybody, but this is a Canadian trait. 
Oh, yes, we would love to do that sometime. Yeah, we'll never do it. We would love to do it. Just be honest. That's not, that's not polite. That's passive-aggressive. That's, I am not doing it, but I'm going to pretend I am. <laughs> Don't do that, people. Just be clear. Be assertive. Uh, no, I'm not wanting to do that with my life. Thank you very much. I'm going to do this instead. Now, this is difficult. I've preached this in other countries. It was Denmark particularly. It was difficult because they don't seem to have a difference between assertive and aggressive. And it sounded like I was saying, be aggressive with people. You know, I'm saying, no, 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 no I don't mean be aggressive. I just mean be assertive and be decisive. How long shall you stall between two opinions, the Bible says? Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Be decisive. Okay, we need to go on. What about when we have hurts? Okay, all of that's how to protect yourself from having hurts. But what about when we have hurts in our life and we are carrying past hurts and wounds. Maybe you've been through, maybe you were terribly abused. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe terrible injustices have happened in your life. What about these hurts? Can I encourage you, first of all, before you even ask God for healing, you once again need to take personal responsibility for your life. Because very often when we have hurts in our life, and we all do from time to time, when we have hurts and emotional wounds in our life, do you know what we then do? We interpret everything that everybody else says through the prism of our own heart. Therefore, everybody's a bad person, even though the people might not have met. We interpret, we become victims, and we interpret everything that other people say. And again, this is a big part of our culture. You say, you, you can't say that because it triggers me. Okay, but if I stop saying that, then you won't get triggered. But it will never actually heal the wound that is being triggered. Right? So we think, oh, you saying that upsets me because I've got a past hurt in my life, and so everybody needs to change their behavior so that I'm not triggered. But the more I'm being triggered, the more it is revealing to me that I still have unhealed, unresolved situations in my life, and the triggering is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It is directing your attention to something you need to fix. It's like if this was a stove, if this was a stove and the stove was on and I leaned on it and I had and I was incapable of feeling pain after a few minutes we'd all be sitting thinking somebody's barbecuing a steak someplace <laughs> and if I didn't feel any pain eventually my whole arm would burn away and I wouldn't have one yet left now you could say ow ow I feel pain sweat quick Give me, a, give me an injection that takes away the feeling of pain. It's not stopping the burning happen, happening. The pain is a good thing. It's so I go, oh, I better not touch that. And the triggering is like that. Emotional pain is like that. You know, it's kind of like I want to keep the unresolved issue festering away inside my heart for another five years. And I don't want anybody to prod it and remind me it's there. 
But you know, if you're a hurt person and you, things are triggering you, see that as a good sign. As something is being brought to your attention that I still have an unresolved issue and I need to come before God and I need to be healed. I've got inner demons that I need to deal with. Now, I'm not talking about real demons. Like, if you've got real demons, get them dealt with too, okay? But I'm talking about unresolved emotional issues. Sometimes they are very big, and you need professional help. And if you need professional help, get that too. But whatever you do, take personal responsibility that you are going to deal with your unresolved emotional issues, and whatever other help you get, make sure you get the help that comes from the Lord. Let's just have a look at this before we finish. It said, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child, but when I grew up, everybody shout, grow up. When I grew up, I put away the unresolved issues that were making me continue to act childish in my life. Look at the next verse. Next one. It says, Psalm 147 says, God heals the brokenhearted and he binds up all their wounds. Bring your broken heart and your emotional wounds and scars to God. I've got one more. I think I do. Oh yeah, Isaiah 61. This is about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom to the captives, that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. You know, the Bible says that God gives us the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. The Bible is acknowledging that we all have these unresolved issues in our life, but we need to deal with them. But we don't need to deal with them alone. We can bring them before God. And so, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for all of us here in this room, for everyone joining us on our online campus. We're going to pray today for healing. And we're going to pray that God moves in our life and uproots those things that shouldn't be there, uproots the weeds from the garden of our heart and plants some beautiful flowers and fruit-bearing trees in our lives. So let's put up our last scriptures. First John, this is it. Yeah, let's stand together as we, as we read this. It says here, such love, God's love, the Greek word being used here for love is the word agape, which means a never-ending, unconditional flow of love towards you. God's love has no fear, no fear at all. Because God's perfect love casts out all fear. We're about to do a little bit of casting out here. We're going to cast out fear, doubt, jealousy, hurt, resentment, whatever those issues are, by inviting God's perfect love in. If we are afraid, 
You could change this to doubtful, angry, whatever it is. It's talking about fear, but it could be any unresolved issue. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Maybe God's mad at me. Maybe he doesn't love me anymore. Maybe I've not been a good enough child. And this shows us that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So that's what we're going to pray for. A full experience of the perfect love of God. I'm going to pray for all of us today for inner healing for our unresolved issues. So can I, can I encourage you to lift up your hands like that, like that, however. Close your eyes. Let everything else melt away. It's just you and God who are here. His presence is all around you and dwells deep within you at the deepest core of your being. Father God, I pray today that your healing presence would fill this room and would fill every room where people are watching online. May your presence fill this place. We know you're already here, but may we become aware of the presence of God. May we become aware of your love, of your forgiveness, of your grace reaching out to each one of us. And I pray, Lord, about every unresolved issue that we have. Fear because of things that have happened to us or things that could happen to us. Doubts, anxieties, rejection, a broken heart captivity to addiction a dark and negative mindset jealousy and unforgiveness self-centeredness and self-pity whatever they are Lord I pray about all of our unresolved emotional, mental and spiritual issues may your Holy Spirit begin to do a work like a gardener uprooting every weed from the garden of our minds and our hearts. Lord, uproot these weeds, dig them up, take them away. Cleanse us, forgive us, deliver us. May your perfect love begin to fill us and as it fills us, let all fear be cast out. Let all darkness be driven away. Let all unresolved issues be resolved in the presence of Almighty God, we pray. Strengthen us. I pray that each one of us would become strong strong in faith, strong spiritually, strong in the Word 
of God and strong in overcoming every attack of the evil one. May a hedge of protection surround each person. May the presence of God surround us. May it be before you. May it be behind you. May His presence guide you wherever you walk. May you shelter under the shadow of His wings. May you be carried in His hands and embraced in His arms at all times. And may you always be consciously aware of God's total forgiveness to you and unconditional love for you. Every morning when you wake up, every day as you go about your business, and as you lay your head on your pillow at night, may you rest in a conscious awareness of God's perfect love for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen.